Well, this morning we're looking at Luke, chapter Luke, verses 1 to 11. And uh, this is the first introduction in the Gospel of Luke to a fishing story. And I thought it was only appropriate that I tell you one of my fishing stories. I'm sure uh, you have many fishing stories, but I want to tell you this particular one. And I'm, I, I wish Pastor Sheridan was here this morning because it's a fishing story with him and I. And um, some time ago, we were up very early in the morning at about 5 a.m. on our way to the Firth of Thames to go fishing for snapper in the mussel farms. And normally we would go fishing on the eastern side of the Firth, but this particular time we thought, well, we'll try the western side. We hadn't done it before. We thought we'll give this a go. And so we were up early in the morning, 5 a.m. It's about an hour and a half's drive, I suppose. And we get to a small place called Miranda where they have a Caltex garage. And one of the first things we do when we go fishing is look for the garage, look for the steak and cheese pies, and we're off to a good start. So we got our steak and cheese pies along with a few other things, and then we made our way to the wharf. And it's the first time we've ever gone fishing here. And uh, Sheridan had got this instruction, go uh, two hours either side of the high or low tide. That was fine, and so we, we come to this place, and I, and I look and I say, Sheridan, there's not much water in here, and he says, no, it's fine, I've been told, two hours either side of the tide, and it's fine. So as we're backing the boat into this estuary, down the wharf, the, the water's just going out faster and faster. He assures me, it's okay. Okay, Sheridan, you know, it's fine. So we put the boat into the water, and this is the honest truth, we probably push it out no more. Absolutely no more than about 10 metres. The water is still running out. You can see tyres and all bits and pieces. And there is the boat on the mud for the next six hours. <laughs> Rather than being two hours either side of low tide, it was two hours either side of high tide. But needless to say, we had a fantastic time. We waited there six hours. Yes, and we had more steak and cheese pies from the garage. And once we finally got into the boat and we went fishing, we had an awesome time, and I think Sheridan's got probably the biggest fish he's ever caught. It was a massive snapper. I wish I had a photo of it, but it was a great time. And uh, as we come into the, the Gospel of Luke, um, we're, we're going to encounter a fishing story, and I'm sure um, you're going to find this interesting. I, as I've looked into this, I just think this is absolutely marvellous. But before we go there, I just want to give you a, a lot of a, a brief introduction. So we've looked at Jesus preaching in the synagogue and um, immediately in Luke 4, and then he goes from the synagogue to Peter's house where Peter's mother-in-law is unwell with a high fever, and he heals her miraculously. And of course, people in the community hear this, and there's just truckloads of people coming to Peter's house, or Simon Peter's house, for Jesus to heal them. Right into the evening, right late at night, and as we know, Jesus gets tired, and the next day he's off to have a rest and recuperate and refresh. And then we pick up the story in Luke 5. So here we go. One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. So this is the first time, the first time in the Gospel of Luke that Jesus is preaching outside a context other than the synagogue. Until now, it's always been in a church setting, a religious setting, the synagogue setting. But this is the first time, if you like, he's in the public domain. He's in the marketplace. And great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. Don't know how many people there. Maybe there is 10,000, 12,000. I don't know. Men and women, children. Many, many people. They're pressing on, pressing in to hear him with the words of life that he has to say. And it's interesting um, around the, the, seas, or the shore of Galilee, um, 
there's at least nine townships when Jesus was there. And each township and, and the base that Jesus was at, it was at Capernaum, had at least 15,000 people. So it's very easy to understand there could have been at least ten to 12,000 uh, people here that were listening to him on this particular day. And I find this really interesting in verse 2. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge. I've come to the learn that when the Bible says something as precise as two boats beside the water edge, there's something symbolic, there's something meaningful that the writer Luke is trying to communicate with us. And we're going to dig into that a little bit more as we go along. For the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, We worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, O Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. Isn't that an awesome fishing story? How would you like that? I wish I had a fishing story like that going out, just catching so many fish that the boats were overflowing with fish. I'm yet to have that happen. And so here's a story I want to pick up. The title of my message is Partnership, the Key to Community, Partnership. Those two boats. Verse 2, he noticed two empty boats side by side, representing two businesses, Simon Peter and Andrew and his dad and James and John and their dad, the sons of Zebedee, Two boats, two empty boats, two partnerships filled with opportunity and potential and Jesus sees them empty. And I'm just wondering what he's thinking, what he's imagining, what they could be filled with. Because this is the first time, as I was saying, that Jesus steps out of the religious setting and steps into the marketplace. He's stepping into a business platform, Peter's business platform and the sons of Zebedee, James and John. And I think it's amazing when Jesus said in chapter four, where I must go to the other villages and talk and preach about the good news of the kingdom of God. He's taking that further than a church setting. He's taking it right in to the marketplace. He's taking it from a Monday to Saturday context. And I think that's amazing. And so here's the first point. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its own, in verse 3, to push it out into the water. Partnerships are powerful, aren't they? They are very, very powerful things. And I want to encourage us today 
that we're in partnership with Jesus, we're in partnership with one another. And we're going to look at some Old Testament examples and New Testament. And also we're going to look at some business partnerships that these men and women have given these businesses to Jesus and to see the miraculous and amazing things he can do when somebody surrenders these to him. So here's the story of Naomi and Ruth, a wonderful partnership in the Old Testament. There's many biblical partnerships, but this is one of them. Naomi had lost her own husband. Not only had he died, but their two sons had died. So a pretty tragic, traumatic situation for her. And so she makes the decision, I'm going back to Israel. And one of her daughter-in-laws, Ruth, says, Mum, wherever you go and I'm going, we're partners, we're together. Wherever you go, I will go. Whoever is your God will be my God. An incredible story of partnership and of connection and of union that Ruth made to her mother-in-law, Naomi. And the beautiful fruit of that is that Ruth is in the lineage of Jesus and the line of Jesus. It's amazing. Here's another one, Paul and Timothy. And there's many examples of these partnerships throughout the Old and the New Testament. We could talk about Moses and Aaron. There's just many of them. And so Paul calls Timothy his own son in the faith. He calls Timothy one of his most trusted co-workers. And when Paul is in Rome, and, uh, in Rome near the end of his life in prison, his final letter he writes, First and Second Timothy, uh, is to Timothy. And it just represents this close partnership and this incredible friendship and connection that they have with one another. How about this? These are some examples of business partnerships. Oliver and Wilbur Wright, 1903. Whether they're the first or the second, who knows, to fly. But what they say is that their partnership was the key that enabled them to fly. One was a brilliant engineer. One was a brilliant visionary. And one of the things that they both say about each other, without my partner, we would have never, ever gotten off the ground. They went over to build a great business uh, in aviation. I like the next one here because um, in our family, we enjoy a lot of ice cream. And um, we keep tip-top in business. Not only is it tip-top now, it's Ben and Jerry's. If you've been to the supermarket, they've got some really nice... Um, Examples of ice cream in small little packs. It's really, really good. It's next level. And uh, Wendy and I particularly enjoy it. But these guys are partners in business. And once again, without each other, they said they would never, ever have a successful business today. And of their profits, they give millions and millions of dollars to help charities and Christian charities around the US. So an amazing, amazing example. I love the example in New Zealand of um, Robert Laidlaw who set up farmers um, decades ago and uh, brought that business and he made this decision, I'm going to give this business to Jesus. Became the fastest growing business in New Zealand in its time. And he said every decision that he made, he made for Jesus. He wrote a book, The Reason Why, which has been translated in over 30 different languages. And he gave it to all his staff because he wanted them to know about his partnership with Jesus. And he used his business platform as an opportunity to share the good news of Jesus. He wasn't going to keep it in for Sunday. He was going to take it out from Monday to Saturday. And he spoke and he shared with his staff and they observed a really godly man. 
There's another great example in the US, a guy called Stanley Tam. Some of you may have read his book. He uh, established a business called US Plastics. And uh, he was really struggling with his business. And uh, he was, became a born-again Christian, and he made this decision, Lord, I'm going to give my business 100% to you. Every aspect of it is yours. The profits, every part of it are yours. His business just took off. And today, he supports over 1,600 missionaries uh, in Asia and Africa. Millions of dollars. Seen incredible things. And I just think he chose and made a partnership with Jesus real and saw that his business was a platform to spread the good news of Jesus. And here's the thing. It's not about the amount that's given. The key is the partnership. That's the key that releases God's miraculous power. And so Jesus jumps on the boat with Peter. and Because one of the key points about partnership is every one of us who knows Jesus is a partner with him. This morning, here's a key verse. 1 Corinthians 1.9, God's will, uh, to, uh, God's will uh, do this, for He is faithful to do what He says, and He has invited you into partnership with His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Isn't that an amazing invitation? To be invited into partnership, that means to be invited to the party, the celebration with Jesus. I remember that school was always a good thing to get invited to a party, to be in partnership with others. It's good. And Jesus invites all of us, humanity, to be in partnership with him. And so this first invitation, Jesus says, Peter, I'm going to step into your boat. I'm going to step into your world. I want to partner with you to spread the good news of Jesus. And I think about all the opportunities we have here today of saying, Lord, I'm going to take serious the opportunity to partner with you allowing and making room for you to step into my world and to be seen in my place of work. We have opportunities every day for that. So when Jesus had finished speaking with Simon Peter, he said these words, we're now going to go out deeper. And it's always a good thing when somebody wants to say, we're getting off the shore, we're going to go deeper, we're going to go fishing. But for Peter... Um, the, the, the second part of that statement, let down your nets, was a bit of a problem for Peter. So he was really, really happy with the first part, let's go deeper. But when Jesus said, let down your nets, Peter ain't too happy. This is what he says. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the, let the nets down again. And here's the thing, Peter is reluctant to follow Jesus's command. Who's ever heard Jesus say something to you, the Holy Spirit say something to you and you go, I don't really want to do that thing. I just don't want to do that. Why are you asking me to do that, Lord? And we all have this reluctance. When Brian Taylor the other week shared about praying for somebody and he saw a miraculous thing happen, but he was talking about the reluctance he had to do it, thinking they were too busy. I remember one lunchtime, I went to go to lunch and I thought, I want to get myself a really nice coffee and a, sa a salmon sandwich. And I thought, I know exactly where I'm going to go. And as I'm driving up to this cafe, I really felt the Lord say, don't go there, go to this other one. And this internal argument begins. You know what I mean? I'm going, I don't want to go there, Lord. I want to go here. 
It's got really good coffee. By the way, it's better over here than what it is over there. And the salmon sandwiches are really, really good. So I've got this internal argument just raging within me. I'm really, really reluctant to go. And it's just like Peter. He's reluctant to go. And one of the things when we're in the space of reluctance, this is what we miss. We miss the eagerness of Jesus. The eagerness of Jesus to show up on the other side of our obedience. And there are so many opportunities that Jesus gives before us if we can wrestle past that reluctance and step into the miraculous. And so for me with this cafe, I thought, all right, Lord, I'll go to this other place. So I had no idea what was going to be in front of me. And lo and behold, there was a person I haven't seen for a long time And he invited me to his table, and we sat down, and we had a chat, and he had some interesting business things he wanted to discuss. And we still talk about it today when I see him, going, that was a divine meeting. God was at work. And if I had not responded, I don't know where that would have ended up. Praise God, we can move on the other side of reluctance. There was another story, it just comes to mind. I was in Auckland at a conference, and a person phoned me, he's a businessman, he phoned me and he said, look, I've just, I'm phoning you for two reasons. The first one is I want to catch up and have a coffee with you. I just really feel to do that. The second one is, can you please give me the contact number for this conference in Auckland where I need to get these address details to, um, to some people up there and also collect some equipment? And I said, you won't believe this. I'm right at this conference right now. Just tell me what you want to do and I'll get your equipment for you. It was just miraculous, amazing. So what happens to Peter? He's got this reluctance. God is so eager. Jesus is so eager to turn up on his behalf, and he is so eager to turn up on our behalves. And that's the beauty of this partnership. Jesus is so eager to work. And this is what happens next. I'm just going to go back to the original slide up here, actually, just to follow the text. Verse 5, Master Simon replied, we've worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, let the nets down. And at this time, the nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. Isn't that amazing? Jesus was just waiting. Peter, just, just come with me on this. I am so eager. I am so desirous to show who I am to you. And bingo, the miraculous is released. Do you know God has opportunity for every one of us to walk into the miraculous? For every one of us, every day. In verse 6, we're so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners. That's um, the sons of Zebedee, James and John, uh, in the other boat. And soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter, Peter realized what had happened, He fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. I am so pleased this is recorded in the scripture. What Peter is saying here, this is not my statement about you, Jesus. This is not my position or my theology on who you are. This is my reaction to a holy God. This is my emotional response or reaction to be confronted and just... Look at something that I thought could never be possible, made possible. And so if we had asked Peter a day or two before, can Jesus do miracles? He would say, yes, of course he can. He can do amazing things. But when it confronted Peter firsthand, 
out of the realm of his intellect and into the realm of his soul and his emotion, then we see this reaction come out of him. It's no surprise to Jesus. Jesus is not surprised at all because all of us are sinful and fallen people and it affects the way we see ourselves and the way we see God. Jesus is totally comfortable with it. And Peter's response to the awesomeness, to the holiness, as some writers would say, the otherness of God. Peter says, I'm a sinful man. Please, Lord. And when he says, Lord, it's like he hasn't had the full revelation that Jesus is the Messiah. It's like, Master, Sir. He fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh, Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. Peter is not asking for the Lord to leave him. He's just trying to cope with his emotional response of being absolutely overwhelmed at how a God can be so gracious and so powerful in partnership with him. And it's really interesting, there are crowds of people that Jesus spoke to, at least 12,000 people, scholars would estimate, but there's only one conversation in the story. It's between Jesus and Peter, not between another person, between Jesus and Peter. And the beautiful thing about this scripture, you can be substituted for Peter between Jesus and just you. Between Jesus and just you. Jesus and just you. I love the response. Oh Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. Peter was a Galilean man. He's tough. The Galileans out of the three provinces in Israel were known as the tough men. It's like the worst revivals, revivalists, uh, or miners, I should say. Or it's like Simon's rugby team with Simon and Sean, the tough men. They're out there doing the stuff. If you wanted to have a fight in Israel, you always got the Galilean men. They were the tough men. In Acts 5.37, it talks about Judas the Galilean and his followers who raised up against the Roman armies. And so the tough men, they speak what they feel. They put it out there. And this is what I love about Peter. He's expressing how he feels. When I look at about this in my own life, and I've shared this story before, and I trust this will help some of you. I was at a meeting and someone said, why don't you ask a person of the Godhead, Father, Son, or Holy Spirit to talk to you and see what they would say. So I thought, okay, I'll ask Father what he would like to say to me. So I said, Father God, what would you like to say to me? Instantly, this is what filled my spirit and my mind. I accept you. And do you know what my response was? Just the same as Peter. If somebody had asked me the day before on an intellectual level, does God accept you? Of course. Of course he does. Yes, he does. But here was my emotional response deep down in me. And I didn't even know it was there. Jesus knew, but I didn't know. This is what I said in reaction to it. How could you? You don't even know what I'm like. And I shocked myself. And I'm sure Peter was equally shocked by his response. And it's when every one of us, and I love Jesus' response to it. 
His partners, and this is the theme of partnership again, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. And Jesus replied to Simon, and I love his response, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Just chill. Don't be afraid, Simon. Peter, of how you respond. I'm with you. I'm for you. I am absolutely championing you. Isn't that awesome? From now on, you'll be fishing for people. You know, Peter, with an encounter like that, you could think, with one encounter like that, his life has been sorted out. The story is, we know it's not. And it's the same for us. An encounter with God, we need multiple encounters because we're on a journey with Jesus. And this is what I love about this story. It has this aspect of journeying, of moving forward with Jesus. We know Peter denied Jesus three times. Jesus restored him. But when we come into Acts, Peter is a rock star. We see all these exposures of his weaknesses in the Gospels. But in the book of Acts, he's a rock star. On the day of Pentecost, he's preaching. 3,000 people get saved. And it's awesome. But are all Peter's emotional issues, the messes inside of him all sorted out? No, not at all. In Galatians, we read where Peter was eating with the, the Gentile believers. The Jewish law would say you're not to eat with Gentiles. And so Peter had crossed this barrier and was eating with Gentiles. But when some of his Jewish mates turned up, he said, well, hey, Gentile guys, I actually can't eat with you. I'm going to come over here and and just be with my Jewish friends uh, and I'll catch up with you afterwards. When the apostle Paul heard about this, he really challenged Peter and said, you're being a hypocrite, Peter. Isn't the gospel for all people, Jews and Gentiles? And so Peter is confronted yet again. And that's the same story for our lives. We are confronted on an ongoing basis as God graciously works with us. And I love this, this line, don't be afraid from now on you'll be fishing for people. When we're in the business of fishing for people, of sharing the good news, it doesn't mean Jesus is looking for pe- perfect people because he's not. He's looking for partners. He's looking for partnership and going, yes, I'm willing to go deeper into this partnership because every time we go into deeper water with Jesus, He reveals more of the depths of our own lives and the views, the distorted views that we need reshaped by Him. And isn't that a wonderful journey? And I love the last sentence here. I think this is a beautiful sentence. And as soon as they landed, I love that word landed because for Peter and Andrew, as it's mentioned in um, Matthew's Gospel and Matthew 4, 18 to 22, and James uh, and John here, the sons of Zebedee, they left everything and they followed Jesus. Their, their, their partnership has gone to a completely new level and they've got a new, completely new perspective on Jesus and a completely new perspective on how business is going to work. For them, they were fishermen. Now they're going to, of, of catching fish. Now they're fishing for people. For others, it might be that I'm still going to be in my business. That's where God wants me to be. But I'm going to be very intentional about using this as a place to share the good news of Jesus, like Robert Laidlaw or Stanley Tam or others that you may know of. 
because our perspective has been changed because we realise the partnership we have with Jesus. The greatest example of partnership is God himself. Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Absolutely beautiful. Jesus lifts up and honours the Father. The Father says, I've given him a name that's above every other name. The Holy Spirit says, I won't talk of myself. Well, I will give testimony to Jesus. This beautiful mutual submission of honouring, preferring one another, yet without ever diminishing their essence or who they are. That is the perfect example of partnership and community. And we've been invited into that partnership with Jesus. And his church worldwide is part of that partnership. And there's another depth to this story where there's this miracle of fish. And I wonder um, when the fish went to the, the, sh- the shore like here, whether they fed all those people that were listening to Jesus, I don't know. Whether um, Peter and Andrew and James and John said to their other business partners, you go and sell this and finance the ministry. I don't know what happened. But I do know their lives were changed forever because of the partnership with Jesus. And so we have this, this wonderful opportunity today to go deeper with Jesus to be expectant for God to show up in miraculous ways. You know, the thing for Peter, his expectancy to show up, for God to show up in miraculous ways was pretty diminished. I've been fishing all night. It's understandable. I'm tired. I've had enough. But Jesus says, go out again. And if we take Jesus as his word and go, Lord, I'll go again. I'll respond to your voice. The miraculous can turn up. And our world can be a different place because of our partnership with Jesus. And here's the thing which I'm going to conclude with this, which I love about the story. This is not only a story for the time of Peter uh, and his business parties. This is a prophetic statement about the church. That boat being filled with fish represents every Christian believer from the time of Jesus to the time of his return. It's a picture of the church being filled with people. And so you and I are a picture of those fish, if you like. But also you and I are a picture of Peter having a personal invitation and conversation with Jesus. And so our job in partnership with him is to share this good news and to see people pulled out of the, the water of this well, the water of hopelessness, the water of despair, and come into relationship and partnership, partnership with Jesus in the boat called His church, safe and secure in Him. That's our job. Brian Houston, in his book, shares a story um, about a man who was very low in his life, didn't know Jesus, never been in church. And he made this decision that he was going to finish his life And he worked out where he was going to go. And on his way to this place, he got caught in a big traffic jam. And the traffic jam was all the traffic going to a Hillsong conference. And so he thought, well, I've got nothing to do. And the people were going, we'll go this way. So he thought, okay, I'll give it one last, I'll give it a shot. I'll go to church. Never been to church before in his life. So he goes to church. He gets welcomed at the door and thinks, okay, that's all right. Here's the music. Here's the singing. Here's the word of God being read. Here's the preaching. And all of a sudden, he has a change of perspective. Sees the world completely different. In that moment, in that evening um, conference, gave his life to Jesus. Something landed for him, and it was Jesus. 
And so I want to encourage us, we're all partners together with Him. In your workplace, be a partner with Jesus. Be in your workplace, fishers of men that can share the good news as God leads you. And I trust like Peter, although we're not perfect, we're all on a journey. We can have this confidence that Jesus is with us and Jesus will never leave us nor forsake us.